Y'all know what time it is. Y'all know who I am and what I do. I'm Rob Shaw. This is the Shaw's Law Podcast. You can call me the Pod God, a.k.a. Harry Potter. And today I have the homie Hendrix, a.k.a. Keith, a.k.a. Hendrix, the writer slash podcaster now in the building. AKA Rockets guy, according to your fan base. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I got some Rockets guy stuff for you today, too. Don't you worry. There's definitely oh, some God. Rockets guy stuff. I burnt my James Harden jersey. Let's go. <laughs> oh, this guy's wild off the rip. <laughs> All right. Um, today is January 26th, the one year anniversary of the passing of Kobe. So I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you. Like, I, give me a couple Kobe stories from you. Hmm. Well, they're pretty bad because they used to kick my team's ass religiously. Uh, my favorite uh, Kobe story would have to be when I believe he's up 3-1. I forget what series he's up 3-1 and the reporters asked him how does it feel to be up 3-1. It's just like, job not done. And that has stuck with me forever. That is like <laughs> for everything. Yeah, son was a cold dude. <laughs> And I'm not even a Kobe fan, but just like that mentality of we're here until the job is completed and there's no celebration until we reach our end goal. And that that defiance in the sense that I'm going to be great no matter what. That mentality is just stuck with me throughout life and has clearly inspired a generation. You see, people can't even talk about the man without tears coming in their eyes. And a lot of ways, he wasn't the same caliber of players, Jordan, but he was Jordan to an entire generation, mainly you and mine. No, agreed. Like, that dude was – he was a monster, and he was so calculating because some of that stuff, like job not done, that is built. Like, that is intentional, like, mamba out. Like, that dude knew how to give you a quick sound bite that mm-hmm. was going to resonate. Right. Now, it was definitely premeditated, but I think that's a product of him being so intense. I don't think that was, oh, the camera's on, let me mamba out. I think that was just, that's what it, yeah, that's just who he is, on and off wax. You see, here the stories were like, guys were like, hey, Cole, come hang out with us. And they're out till like three in the morning. And then he's at their house at like five in the morning, like, all right, I hung out with y'all last night. Come hang out with me. We're about to get these shots up. But it's not shots up because getting shots up is fun. A basketball workout is not. <laughs> you know what nah, I mean? Right. It's a full workout. And then they're going to shoot around. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, and then it's all right. Well, we're done with like the workout part, but now you need to make 200 so we can get out of here. And you better not make 200 and have it look better than me. Or are we going to 300? Because that's cold. Yeah. All right. Talk to me about your new look rockets. Um, as of right now, it just looks like a bunch of guys playing for themselves. It doesn't really look like a cohesive team, which you would expect when you cobble together a bunch of guys in the middle of the season. Nothing we don't expect. Um, quick hits. This team starts real slow. They get down a lot, which is why most of our games end up being tight, tough losses because you're climbing from a 10-point deficit the whole game. There's a lot of young guys, a lot of young, talented guys, which you want in the rebuild. And... Um, what else? This, guy, this team defends pretty well. They have a bunch of guys who are not – except at the five position. At the five position, we need better defenders. But they have a bunch of willing defenders, and they're passable on offense. They're not really good. And in a weird way, this team really needs John Wall because without John Wall, they don't really have a point guard that can do anything on roster. They've been trying to trot out Oladipo, who's a pretty good passer, surprisingly good passer to me. I wasn't expecting him to be as good as a passer as he was. Or they'll play Eric Gordon at the at the point guard, and Eric Gordon is just like, "Oh, I don't have to wait for somebody to pass me the ball now. I can just go up when I cross half court." And that's what it's been. All right. So a couple quick Rockets points. <clears throat> They're not points. Questions. Yes, sir. Is Boogie rounding into form? Like he no. had he had a really good game, and it was more a product of like he sort of just made shots this game because the game before that. He sucked, but shot the same amount of shots. So is he rounding in the form or he just 
like, hey, one time only, he's back. I think I think that's what it is. I think he's kind of washed at this point because not only is he like a, a glowing fluorescent target or defense, teams just ruthlessly attack him. And for him to be as close as he is to the rim, he doesn't rebound. And then on the other end of the ball, it's like he's a black hole. He gets the ball and the shot is going up no matter what. I think he took like 12 threes one time. I'm like, bro, we don't need that from you at all. You got to get close to the rim, especially when Christian Wood's not playing. And like, I understand if you shoot a bunch of threes when Christian Wood is on the floor because Christian Wood likes to attack the basket off the bounce. You were the only center and you're chucking up threes. It's like, why is P.J. Tucker a better rebounder than you at this point? And not from like, rebounding totals because Boogie will have like 12 rebounds on the box score, but he doesn't box out in a way where, or makes his presence felt where it's like, Oh, Boogie's really helping us on the glass. It's more so like he's getting those Andre Drummond type of rebounds where I'm going to steal this off the gr- off the rim or in when my teammate is coming, I'm going to be one to get it and then hand it to him. Those type of rebounds is not really like an impactful presence where someone like, PJ or Jay Sean Tate, they're boxing out two, three guys and skying up tipping it to a def- to uh, a teammate. Boogie, he, this point, it's not as bad as when Melo was a Rocket because when Melo was a Rocket, he was kind of forcing his way into the system, I want to say. It wasn't like a – he was still thinking he was Melo and he wasn't trying to be a role player. With DeMarcus, he understands his role. He's just really bad at it. Not, but like sometimes you just got to check in with somebody who's watching them more deliberately than I am. Mm-hmm. And I never want to get caught as a box score watcher. Right. Because right. like you're giving me like real insight. You're watching the games because the box scores tell me that Boogie's still an elite rebounder. 16 here, 12 there, 16 there. But you're telling me, no, he's, yo, oh, this guy's a bad free throw shooter. Let me get in. Yeah. I know this second one's probably coming off the rim. I'm going to grab the ball and I'm going to throw elbows in every which way so I can come down with it. And then I'm going to hand it off to someone who was two feet away and probably would have got the same rebound. And probably started the break quicker. Like yeah. if he gets it, he's got to find an outlet. If um... He got to find an outlet and actually move past the three-point line, which he doesn't do majority of the time. But that's the one plus that came from that uh, – that basketball pornography that was Westbrook's triple-double season. Whereas, like, basketball teams realize, hey, what if we just let our fast-break guy rebound the ball? And then we could just all go set up down court while he has it, and we don't have to waste any motion. That was, like, the one great thing that came from that. I've always referred to those guys as get-it-and-go guys. Like, yeah. where you it comes off the rebound, and they get it, and you don't need to outlet like LeBron, Ben Simmons, but like Jason Kidd was the, he's probably not the originator, but for me in my basketball viewership, Jason Mm -hmm. Kidd is the guy for me. I'm sure somebody older would say Magic did this. Like when I was watching and cognizant of things, I'd be like, yo, this dude, Jason Kidd got that. And in two seconds, Kenya Martin was hanging on the rim Mm -hmm. because there was no need for the outlet. We have his son. So his son had a really good game against the Mavericks, but the Mavericks have COVID problems and whatnot and other injuries. But <clears throat> Mason Jones has been a, a really good bright spot. Like he's been like sneaky top 10 rookie type of potential. I don't know if he's as good as Jay Sean Tate, but he's been really good for us. He, like he plays some big minutes. Now, obviously it was because, our rotation is kind of short with guys in and out of the lineup, but the minutes he does plays, he's been really good as a shooter type of offensive creator. Now, defense, he's a little slow moving his feet because he's a bigger type of guard wing person, like of that, what am I thinking of? Someone who's pretty big but shoots instead of like. Yeah, P.J. Tucker. Like, I know P.J. Tucker is now a big, but that's not who P.J. Tucker originally was when he came into the league. Yeah, but P.J. Tucker was always a tough guy. Like, P.J. Tucker will guard up and rebound. Mason Jones is like, I'm slow, but I can shoot and get my own shot. He's like a Gallinari with less efficient. Um, you're, you've also always been a big on – let's try that again. You've always been big on Jay Sean Tate. Um, yes. For guys that aren't watching the Rockets, can you just wax poetic on him real quick? Jay Sean Tate is a younger version of P.J. Tucker. Same size, same frame, same drive, same will to rebound. And he has 
all the same can't go back. They even have like the same sort of story where they had to go overseas and play in different Euro leagues before they when they came out of college before they got their shot as a pro. The difference is I think Jay Sean is a lot farther along than PJ Tucker was. I think PJ Tucker first started on the Raptors. Now that might just be an indictment of Dwayne Casey and his ability to develop talent. But Jay Sean Tate, while he isn't a great like offensive player yet there's flashes like we at, at one point we had him playing point guard and he finished the game with 10 assists and like eight rebounds he was just that good and then we were hitting a bunch of shots that game but it wasn't like a loss with um with him running point guard now some things though when you're having a young team and when you have players playing different roles different night it kind of confuses them so when we do have our guys he ends up in this hey i get the ball i gotta go now because he playing like he on a 10-day contract, but he doesn't realize, hey, if you fit into the system, everything will work. And uh, to Silas, Silas's credit, which he has done a lot this season, this is not the team he signed up to coach, and I commend him for getting them together and trying to coach and saving this season. When he has time to prepare for a team and when he has time to get the guys together to practice, shoot around or whatever, they come out prepared and they come out knowing what it is, exactly is they got to do. Timeouts, halftime, all that. He does. He's been doing a great job with this uh, hosh posh. That sounds like the recipe for a really good playoff coach. Mm-hmm. All right. You. We can never get there. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that sees this roster to the playoffs. Not saying he's not good enough too, but you know, when you're a rebuild coach, you're normally the guy that sets up the next guy. That's very true. Injury notwithstanding to his kidney, would you have preferred keeping Levert or are you happy that they flipped him for Oladipo? I'm happy in the sense that we have flexibility now because once you trade James Harden, you have to go into rebuild mode. You, there is no more. You can try to do the Spurs thing where we're going to get a comparable player. I'm air quoting for the people who are listening. A comparable player to his stature plus maybe draft assets, and then you end up as a middling 41 team stuck in the middle of nowhere. So I'd rather not quite blow it up, but get young assets and draft picks and work there. Oladipo's an inspiring contract, so he's going to come in playing hard, whereas someone like Karis LeVert probably would have came in and already been trying to force his way out. Oladipo is playing for the next contract. So even if he doesn't want to be a rocket, he's going to play hard because you can't put that terrible uh, tape and in, uh, stat line out. And we can flip them before the deadline to get more stuff. Apparently, uh, New Orleans is looking to ship off parts. We'll see with that nets. All right. And I know you made the joke about burning your Rockets, your Harden jersey. But can you just wax poetic about what he meant to the Rockets? Where does he fall in their all-time hierarchy? What did he mean to you as a Rockets fan? Like, give Sun his flowers. James Harden is the second greatest Rocket of all time. Uh, Obviously, Hakeem Olajuwon is the greatest rocket. But James Harden also saved us from basketball obscurity. Like, at one point, we were that middling team who wasn't, like, bad enough to be a top five pick, which is where you want to be if you suck, but not good enough to be a consistent threat in the playoffs. So we were just hanging around there. You know, those uh, Kevin Martin teams, those Shane Battier, Ron Artest teams, where they were, like, darling teams. We love rooting for those teams, but we knew those teams wasn't going to win a title and then. Kobe ends up stamping us out the paint repeatedly. So it's then along comes James Harden, who's this sixth man. There was flashes, you know, how every time I talk about James Harden, I saw how he was stats, he was analytic Twitter's baby until they started watching him play. Because everything about the analytics shows you this guy has star potential, he's just being held back. And then when he closed out the Spurs series, in 2013, when he was every finishing five, it was a consistent threat to the point where Miami was just like, hey, Durant's going to get 30, but Harden, he's not getting anything. Now you, Ooh, you've been listening to my tapes. You can go ahead and say uh, he was out clubbing or whatever, but so were the 2008 Celtics. Like, you can bring up stories about every NBA player clubbing. No, but that was Eric Spolstra said exactly what you said. That, uh, I told this story maybe two pods ago. He put in the no split rule for James Harden. Yeah. This dude cannot split a pick and roll because when he does, he's such an exceptional passer with Durant on the wing and Westbrook to attack. Mm-hmm. And then there's that big that's trailing him now that he's split. There's too much shit happening and he's too good in that situation. This dude does not split pick and rolls with us. 
Right. And then we get him and it's immediate dividends. He comes in, debuts 35, and it's like, oh, this is what it's like to have a legit star. Mind you, we haven't had a legit star since Tracy McGrady. That was almost five years ago. And Tracy McGrady was another one who consistently failed in the playoffs. The difference between him and James Harden is James Harden failure in the playoffs was a success for uh, Tracy McGrady. It was a blessing to get out the first round if you had Tracy McGrady as your best player. It wasn't It wasn't a blessing because it never happened. Blessings come. Exactly. That, that would, blessing never arrived. With James Harden, the standard got raised so high, I think people started to get unrealistic expectations of what we had. Like, he was in the Western Conference Finals with Dante, Dantes Matajunas, Patrick Beverly, and Terrence Jones. In the oh, start- man, see? When you started mentioning that team, I was like, don't take a shot at Terrence Jones. Don't take a shot at Terrence Jones. Don't take a shot at Terrence Jones. It was literally in my eyes. Yeah, but – and then people will be like, oh, game six versus the Clippers – he got benched. Uh, you can say he got benched. What really happened is he was on the bench when the run started to happen, and uh, Kevin McHale just left the lineup out there. Now, you can say he looked dejected or whatever. Yeah, he looked dejected. His team, his team was down 20. Well, how would you look on the bench? And then the next game, he went and had a 35-point triple-double in game seven. But no one ever talks about that because it doesn't fit the James Harden as a choker narrative. And then he went on and got bombed by the Warriors because his second-best player was Patrick Beverly. You know, it happens. Then we reloaded, brought in Mike D'Antoni. Actually, I'm skipping a year. It was one year where all the defensive clips came in where he was just basically a walking meme and Vine basically killed his superstar status where it was pictures of just James Harden slapping opponents on the butt as they was going. Only for the goofballs that weren't watching hoop. Yeah, like I, be, I call him a lot of times. I call him like that season he was like a DH where if you watch baseball, you know, I'm going to go get 29-11, but, you know, Kevin McHale, they went and fired him by November. No one talks about that. So we're out there with J.B. Biggerstaff, head coach of the Cavs right now, as the interim head coach, and James Harden is – like, yo, I don't care anymore. Dwight Howard's a weirdo. And uh, the rest of y'all are not good enough to be on my teammates. Then we brought in Dan Tony. Clint Capella finally turned into something. Clint Capella showed flashes. Actually, that season, um, we actually needed Kobe that season because we needed Kobe to – we needed that 60-point game from Kobe on Utah. That's how we got in the playoffs. <laughs> he was my man that night. <laughs> All right, okay. and then last thing, you guys picked up Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, it's no secret I'm a big fan. What do you see his role? Do you think he has a role right now? Um, I think he's just another wing. You know, another young guy. We're um, throwing spaghetti at the wall and Steve with sticks. When you're trying to rebuild, you want to just collect as many young assets as possible. You're playing with found money. And anything you get from production, production-wise, as a piece for the future. Even if he, he doesn't have a place on your roster, you can sell him to another team to get um, a Brandon Ingram type of player. Or I don't think Brandon Ingram's available because he's the Pelicans' best player right now. But, you know, just a young player that might be getting moved out for a team that needs to reset or wants to shuffle parts or whatever. You know, what do we – we ended up trading – Kevin Martin was like that for us. That's how we ended up getting James Harden. Someone who you can flip for an asset, a distressed asset. And as of right now, I'm really – the basketball, you love the basketball with Kevin Porter. He's a dog. He does everything well on offense. On defense, sometimes he gets caught napping, but he's a young guy. So he can learn his role. But on offense, he has what you want. He shows flashes. He has a step back in his game. He can get to the rim. He's athletic as, as hell. It's, it's everything off the court. He – He's a project for uh, John Lucas, who has worked with NBA players, who has worked with NFL players, and is like the whisper in the ear for uh, temperamental players. And then we have a structure. Like, people don't talk enough about John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, like, leadership aspect. And I, I make the jokes all the time, like, we're Kentucky Southeast, but this is really their team. Like, they get the guys together. They keep the locker room in check as much as you can now with COVID restrictions. But they've been doing – a good job off the court of maintaining the team aspect. And to be honest, the James Harden trade got ushered away because if it didn't, it would have been some furniture moving. You're not about to keep tanking games and pointing the finger at us in the press conference saying us players with pride. You know, James Harden, James Harden, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, even though they're coming off injuries, were once upon a time all NBA-level talent. You're not about to keep saying we're not good enough to get it done 
when you out here dump trunking it. And, and you like guys like that on your team. I love guys absolutely. like that on my team. Absolutely. That's why I always stand up for P.J. Tucker, even though P.J. Tucker kind of wants out himself, which I don't blame him for. He wants a new contract. And the Rockets are rightfully so not giving him a new contract because what are we going to do with 36-year-old P.J. Tucker? Why would we extend you? You serve us no purpose. We trying to find a trade asset for you. Miami might be a potential place. Oddly enough, Brooklyn should be the team calling for him. Uh, they got to figure out a three-teamer. Now, Brooklyn's dying for a buyout for him. They, they yeah. need a buyout. Well, if I was – I don't understand that. If I was a team, I would never buy someone out. I would rather lose you in free agency than just paying you to go win a title somewhere else. Now, I understand teams – excuse me. Teams do it to, like, give the agent a favor and keep that relationship. But the whole league is dominated by CIA and Rich Paul now. So it's – Well, sometimes it's not an agent favor. Well, I guess these are sort of the same thing. Sometimes it's, yo, I look like I'm doing – I'm a player's team. Yeah. I do things for the players. Just like uh, with the Pelicans, how you mentioned they want to ship off parts. Mm-hmm. Pelicans can never ship J.J., to some bullshit destination. Right. Because it'll just look so bad to other players. Like, damn, this dude is a constant, constant professional and he wants to be on a contender and you guys just shipped him for whatever was best for you. Mm-hmm. Like you can do that. Cause that's part of the business. But like when the next free agent doesn't take a meeting with you, like know why, like you're reaping what you sow. That's why no free agents go to Boston. Cause they know you're just a, a a scratch on the ticket. You're just a checklist to them, and they'll ship you off cold turkey if need be. That whole Isaiah Thomas debacle ruined any chance of them ever landing a free agent ever. It as long as them getting Anthony Davis, I'm not saying it definitely would have happened, but like that was an on the table destination. And then Anthony Davis's pops basically said, "Yo, you saw how they did Isaiah Thomas in the playoffs? Yeah, never." I think the Celtics kind of ruined them getting Anthony Davis. And Kawhi Leonard because they just wouldn't push the button on them. Now I was on, I was probably the only one saying do not trade for Kawhi Leonard. But with Anthony Davis, I'm like, why wouldn't you give up Jalen Brown? Even if it's for one year of Anthony Davis, they're relatively the same age, and once you get him under control, everything else is gravy. You can figure it out then. Get the MVP level player and figure it out. Then you'll be watching the same thing I've been telling Sixers fans like, or you'll be watching the dynasty be built across the street and. Lo and behold, Lob Zombie and uh, LeBron just look like the best thing since peanut butter and jelly. Lob Zombie's a good one, FYI. Blake Griffin's <laughs> mad that that didn't drop when he was in L.A. <laughs> I know he's mad. I'll speak for Blake. <laughs> <laughs> he is washed now. God. Does he have a dunk yet? Like, no. I know, like, a couple of weeks ago, he didn't have a dunk yet. No. And, and like, I understand that that <clears> – we should be crediting that, that – like he changed his game so much, but like, whoo, that, that was, that was, good. A, that it isn't was like, a, it isn't like a, a natural descent. It's like a, you can't do this anymore. Just like with Russell Westbrook. But the thing with Russell Westbrook, he's going to keep trying. It's so sad watching it happen. And I'm kind of, you know, even though we suck right now, it looks like we won the trade. John, John Wall is, yeah, we got the pick and the better player. All right, this is a question from my boy, Adam. He says, rank these big threes. I sent them to you earlier, and you immediately got upset that Steph, Clay, and Draymond were not included. So I have added them to the list. Yes. All right, let me just read through them real quick. Um, Mike, Pippen, Rodman. Mm -hmm. Ron, Wade, Bosh. Katie, Harden, Kyrie. KG, Allen, Pierce. Magic, Worthy, Kareem. Duncan, Ginobili, uh, Parker and Mikhail, Parrish, and Bird, as well as Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Right. I don't have my order perfectly. You have to count Steph, Clay, and Draymond. I don't understand why they get left out. It's probably because people don't respect Draymond game, like, in the slightest. And I can understand it if you only viewed players as bucket getters and what do they do that way. But then those same people are the same ones that be big enough to Detroit Pistons. And it's like, how? Where, where, did, where did you leave off at, bro? Well, in Adam's defense, he was just giving me this list off the top of his head real quick. Um, I thought the reason there were no Warriors included is because he didn't know which three Warriors to pick. Okay. 
That's fair. I'm not counting the Avengers, but Steph playing Dre, that core has proven like it needed probably the greatest LeBron. It probably needed LeBron's greatest team ever. I'm saying that knowing the Miami teams, probably LeBron's greatest team ever in an insane four in a Hall of Fame four game stretch from someone who was arguably the greatest player ever and someone who was arguably arguably the greatest one of the greatest playoff performers ever. Kyrie Irving. They need an insane Hall of Fame four game stretch from those two guys, along with the suspension and Andrew Bogut got hurt for them to lose that finals. So would, with that being said, would you like to add LeBron's uh, Kyrie Kevin Love team to this list? No, because the trio of those two are not better than the Heat trio, but the team itself was better. <clears throat> All right. So who do you have? last let's do them in descending order i know where i have last and i'm sure there's going to be people that disagree but i know where i'm going with the last team so who do you have last it's kg pierce and you want me to show first i'm not saying because i don't give a damn it's definitely the celtics it's them just because one the ages they got together like it's not the best version of kg it's not the best version of ray right um, it might be the best version of Pierce or one of the better versions of Pierce, but at it's the end definitely of the day, pretentious. I think they have the worst best player. Like if KG's their best player, he's the best player. Huh? Who did you think is the best player? KG's their best player, and he's the worst best player out of anybody on this list. And I love KG. Yeah. But like when you take into account that he's not in his prime and just his career isn't better than anybody you would say was the best player on one of these teams. And they benefited from a diluted era. Like that's the era where everyone was injured. Who was injured? Danny Granger was always hurt. My, Michael Red was always hurt. And it came off like the heels of the Pistons falling apart. Kobe didn't get Pau Gasol into like the middle of their second year. And together. Kobe got them. Like I know they were hurt during that time, but Kobe did get them. Yes, and then they got bounced. Then they got bounced. No, they didn't get bounced out because I think KG was hurt. But then they got bounced out by Dwight Howard's Magic, something like that. Yeah, no, I, I just think these guys have the they have the least impressive resume, and the trio of them are the least impressive. To period. I mean, I guess KD, Harden, and Kyrie, since they haven't done there. anything. Yeah, I don't know why they're there. Yeah, like, we can knock them out. Like, I know why they were the reason this question was brought up, because big threes were gone. But, like, like, K, like out of these ones that all won, KG, Allen, and Pierce are last for me. Yeah. Um, and then I follow it. I think my next second last would have been Duncan. Yeah, it would have been Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. Ooh, you you have them last? Oh, you have them next? I have them second to last, yeah. So are they... Not, I think Duncan is cold as hell, but I don't think the rest of them fit the bill as, like, big three. Like, they're, like... Like, especially Tony Parker. Like, I feel like Tony Parker looks really brilliant in spurts, but he isn't, like, an all-NBA somebody, like, you got to write in, and hey, we got to check Tony. You write in, we got to check Tony because he's playing off of Duncan, but if, like... Tony was on his own team, and it was just like the Frenchman is like, okay, that's cute, whatever. So I watched the Tony Parker documentary recently. Adorable. And that, that, that swayed me. And then I don't know if you listen, but like I went on a long Manu Ginobili tangent because Manu Ginobili is one of the only people in the history of the world who can say he put his dick on the table versus Team USA. Like Manu Ginobili led Argentina <laughs> to a situation – where Team USA had to restructure Team USA. I'm a fan of Ginobili, but Ginobili is someone who comes off the bench and per Greg Popovich couldn't play full starter low because he would hurt himself, something like that. So we got to ding him for that as well. No, I, I, I think I'm fine there. I might have gone Mikhail, Parrish, and Bird just because I've seen them less. Oh, well, that's fair. That's fair. But like... Did they... I think Bird is like just that good where I can't put him below anyone else. No, no, uh, that's fine because th I also feel that way about 
like if we're just looking at threes, like Mikhail and Parrish rank higher historically than Parker and Ginobili. Yeah. Yeah, and that like, was Mikhail. That wasn't even like prime Mikhail. But Mikhail was still good enough to where he can eliminate the rim and make all the right passes. And then Larry Bird was like the precursor to Steph Curry, where I'm the superstar who doesn't need the ball and can make everyone else on the court better. And he didn't take a million threes, but he was just so smart as a basketball player where he can make up for not being as athletic, where I'm going to just be two steps ahead of you. Like, I think it's telling that his most iconic play is a, is a steal against Isaiah Thomas. And then and a dime. And then you don't even realize he's there. And then before you realize he has the ball, he's dropping it off somebody. He's just playing 3D chess. I don't think he would have been as good as a player today, given the spacing and how athletic the game is. But I think he, like he, when I watch him, I see like a smarter version of Kevin Love. And it's not an insult to Larry Bird, but, or Kevin Love. I just think like today, I don't think, He's the same kind of player. I mean, same caliber of player just because of his ailments athletically. Like, you can only be smart for so long. Joe Ingles is a brilliant player, but Joe Ingles' smart, uh, smarts aren't making him any more impactful than he already is. You know what I'm Paul George is out there. Yeah, and then, then he has to go put the kids to sleep. <laughs> All right, so who is next for you? I think next is Steph, Clay, and Dre. And, like, it goes back to... Wait, so we did... So we have... We have the Celtics, 08 Celtics last. We have the Spurs, and then we have... What is that? 82? The 82? Yeah, Mikhail, Parrish, and Bird. Um, then... No, I would put... I just think it comes down to, like, your best players, like Magic and Kareem are going to be better than any combination of Steph, Clay, or Dre. Um, MJ and Pippen, better than any combination. Of... I would put the Heatles there. Oh, man, I, I started looking at them, and then I started saying, yo, LeBron is so good. But, yeah, like, it's not right. Oh. I'm putting Steph, Clay, and Dre over the Miami Heat. LeBron is definitely the best player of the six. But, you know, Bosch versus Dre – you're like grasping their straws. Yeah, Bosch was a better player in Toronto on his own, but no, but like it's the version that won. You know what I mean? And like Dre is like the, the ultimate uh ceiling raiser, where it's like, hey, I'm gonna get everyone involved on offense and defense. Yeah, I can't score 19 a game, but it, my uh my impact on the game is worth way more than fucking Bosch is 25 and missing the playoffs in Toronto and there was talks of trading Chris Bosh. There were no talks of trading Draymond Green, except for idiots who didn't uh, who didn't see Draymond Green's value. And the version of Bosh that was on the Heat was still good, but is he? Oh man, it's woof. Yeah, that's a debate right there because I think uh, Wade I think and Clay. Wade and Clay is kind of a wash because. Yeah, Wade can be second ball handler type, but Clay is getting you 37 in a quarter. It's like, come on, man. And I think it's the fit. Like, talent-wise, Bron and Wade are up there, but they didn't fit good. Yeah, it was weird. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll concede. They can be four. Clay and uh, Dre is like, you made those three to play perfectly together. They each complement each other perfectly well. Especially because shooting is just so important. Like, mm -hmm. it's hard to have bad chemistry with – not bad chemistry, but, like, it's hard for shooters to not fit together because right. it naturally makes space. And then it made for someone with a, a unique talent like Draymond, where it's, hey, the only thing I really could do well on offense is set strings and pass the ball. And now, because I'm playing with two all-time shooters, now I'm the maximized version of myself. And people will go and say, oh, he's only good because he's playing. Like, duh. You don't give that benefit of doubt to anyone else. No one says Shaq only won titles because he played with all-star level guards. No one ever says that about anyone else. That That's a fair point. All right, so who do – so we agree that Steph, Clay, and Dre are three with Bron, Wade, and Bosch at four. Yeah. 
So who do you have at one? Is it Mike Pippen Rodman or Magic Worthy Kareem? That's so hard. This is tough. I'm always a proponent of who has the best player. Yeah. Especially because this is basketball. Like this isn't baseball where it's an individual sport pretending to be a team sport. Like one dude can kick your ass in hoops. And he will have the ball all the time. You can't scheme out a good player like you can in football. In football, you can scheme out a good player, regardless of how good you are. It's the ultimate team game. Basketball, the best player is going to be the best player, regardless. Baseball, you can throw a perfect game, and you know what can happen on the other side? The other dude can throw a perfect game, and there ain't shit you can do to help yourself. But in basketball, it's like ultimate, hey, this is the star. This is the star's game. If you're a star, um, I don't know, though. Because the thing is, I'm – I'm like leaning toward because I'm partial to Magic, but the thing is, the the Lakers didn't really play any dominant teams, but neither did the Bulls. Like, I was reading over something I did, some something I did a couple of years, ago, and I was like, looking back on the the um, the Showtime Lakers, they never played like a team in the playoffs like more than 55 wins, something like that, and it was beating up on a lot of the cream puffs. But then I think of that iteration of the Bulls, and it was the same thing. It was like the league expanded 10 teams within that time span. So they're getting to beat up on a lot of filler. And then teams are getting in the playoffs, and they're like 37 and 52. And it's like that team wouldn't even make it nowadays. So I think um, as a trio, I feel like the Lakers trio works better. But – Jordan is just so damn good. It's just like you feel stupid when you put him second to anything. I don't think now I, I have I don't think Magic is that far away as a player than Jordan because I think Magic is just that damn good. But it's like it's Mike. <laughs> I, I just think Mike puts his stamp on this so aggressively. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, it's just Mike. It's, so Lakers so real dumb when you bet against Mike. But um, I have a, a hot take. I don't think Mike wants another title without Dennis Rodman. Like people like to act like '95 didn't happen, where we didn't see Jordan go out there and play again, and then they go get their ass kicked by the Magic. Like people love to act like it didn't happen. It's like yeah, you needed someone that could deal with, because what goes underrated is Horace Grant was on that Magic team. Now you needed someone to deal with Horace Grant. You needed someone who can play spot center minutes when you wasn't there. You thought Horace Grant wasn't telling all the secrets? All the secrets? Right. right. And then we go get this guy who can steal 25 rebounds in an era where four seven-footers were in the paint. And he can potentially guard three through five? Come on, man. <laughs> all right. We're going to play a quick game of NBA yay or nay. Mm-hmm. The NBA is discussing a March All-Star game. Yay or nay? Um, I'm going to say nay with the contingency of depends on vaccine rollouts. I, I think eventually the NBA is about to muscle these teams into vaccinating their uh, team. And it isn't really that much of a stifle in the world. It's like, what, 15 extra doses per city? It's nothing. You can do that. 25, staff included. 25 extra doses? I think eventually, because you see teams like the Wizards, Grizzlies, 75, 72. 72 games is the marker you got to hit in order for the television deal to work, well, regardless of if it was an 82-game season or this shortened season. So eventually the, the Wizards are going to be in a situation where it's like come April and they're playing 12 games in 10 nights. It's like, hey, y'all got to make this TV deal work. So I think eventually Adam is about to start putting the foot on these teams that, hey, y'all going to get vaccinated. And there's no – you'll be voluntold. Okay? It'll, it'll be an option. Quote, quote <laughs> – Nah, the Wizards about to play an AAU schedule come March. Real. Yeah. Hey, don't even leave. Where, where y'all at? Quick, uh, quick and loans? Don't even leave. Just put on the red jerseys. <laughs> Flip them, reverse them. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, buy, they buy to tell y'all. Y'all go ahead and sign Isaiah Thomas. I don't care how y'all get it done. All right. Um, Dame's shoes, the OKC shoes, to commemorate him waving bye to Paul George. Yay or nay? I'm here for the pet. You're here for the petty? No, the Wizards are actually playing today. But, yeah, I'm here for the petty. I, I, I agree. It. These are a yay for me. 
You know it's gonna be even better when Terrence Ferguson is wearing those same shoes. It's gonna be even better. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's, here's the big one. Ooh. Josh Jackson to Ben Simmons. He, you're here a bitch. It. Here for it. Here for it. Here for it. See, that's the problem. That's what that's what the AAUification, to quote Michael Rappaport, has done. Ain't no way you getting that shit off any other era than the era of I'm not going to hit you because nothing's going to happen. You're not about to call me a bitch. I'll, see, look. You call me a bitch and tell me shut up. I'm only going to do one of those things. And it's going to be shutting up because it's about to be a whole lot of uh, collars getting wrinkled. Nah, but it was the... You saw the ref laugh? Yeah, at the scorer's table. Son, <laughs> and the ref laughed. And then you got the light skin taking more L's because you want to be out there all docile, seven-footed. You got traded. You got traded in the locker room. I uh, Kevin ported you. Hey, hey, hey! Don't even come. Don't even go to your locker. You, you over there now. <laughs> All right. Here is some that NFL fuck? stuff. I just want to give the NFL their flowers because they got something right. <laughs> They're giving uh, seven thousand five hundred uh, healthcare workers that are vaccinated Super Bowl tickets. That's fly. Each player will receive four tickets um, to the game, and then the rest will be handed mm-hmm. out to Tampa Bay area healthcare workers. Like, when they get it right, they get it right. And they don't get it right a lot, so let's give them their flowers. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I said with the NBA, it's, it's going to be a whole lot of uh, violent told and societal pressure when it comes to this vaccine. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. You you don't have to get vaccinated, but you won't be allowed to attend concerts or get on planes without one. And I don't think that's really beneficial, to be honest. But I won't detract from the pot too much. <laughs> How about Brady versus Mahomes? I know you're a Brady guy, so like, j- just talk about the guy, your guy. Correction, I'm a Patriot fan. Brady so happens to have spent 20 years on the Patriots. But I think it's funny that this game is the game where people just decided he was the GOAT. A game in which he did not play all that well in. He the second the first half he was brilliant and the second half it was like, who what the hell it was one of those I feel like it isn't quite what happened to Peyton Man because Tom Brady could do one and it just looked like he didn't want to get hit. But his team ended up winning because the defense played really well. And this game, of all the games of the game where people's like, he's the GOAT unquestioned. It's like, oh, 28-3, that didn't matter? None of that? No? Okay, this is the game? Fine. I'm just glad people finally stopped uh, kicking themselves in the face about it. Maybe it's because the Patriots were too braggadociously winning and people just didn't want to give any Patriot, any credit whatsoever, but it took Tom Brady being in a different jersey for people to recognize. Yeah, this is probably the greatest quarterback you're ever going to see play. Now, Patrick Mahomes might be the best quarterback talent we will ever see play, but it's hard to argue with 10 Super Bowl appearances and 20 healthy seasons and six rings. That's impossible to argue with. Um, You brought up a good point about what happened to Brady in the second half. He's old, bro. Halftime is not his friend. And Super Bowl halftime is definitely not his friend. Yeah, it's like a half hour to almost an hour, something like that. Yeah, like that's either way, it's long as hell. That's too much time. You I'm old. I'm 31. When I sit when I lose a pickup and I have to wait the 20 minutes for the next pickup game, by the time I step back out there, I'm mad sore. I gotta relather. Feet hurt, knees is cooked, back is aching. Well, and then the Buccaneers aren't really a team that benefits from – they're not the well-oiled machine the Patriots were when Brady was there. You know, when Brady was a Patriot, it was seven yards, seven yards. Oh, 15, seven yards, seven yards, 15. And with this one, it's like, hey, we going – no risk it, no biscuit. We going deep every which play. He might get sacked and he might go for 50 yards. And when you have time to sit down and prepare for that, the chinks in the armor start to show. They're not as disciplined. they too sporadic on offense. Now, their defense made up for them this game, but going forward against a team like Kansas City, 
they're not going to be able to rest on their laurels and be like, hey, we could throw three interceptions to still win. Because, no, Patrick Mahomes is scoring every time. Man. We're at the point where it's like, hey, the Chiefs just wait till they're down two touchdowns to start playing. It's like the meme where they're just sitting back chilling. And then it's like, oh, 14 to three? All right. But I sit up, and next thing you know, they done won 42 to 14. It's like, oh, my God. And the Chiefs have defenders that are going to make plays on the ball. And they have a lot of – almost like – the Patriots, in a way, they have a lot of unsung heroes on that defense that are really good. Uh, someone like a Daniel Soros and someone like a, a Sneed, uh, a corner, their corner they really have. Then they have the big playmakers like Chris Jones and uh, Tyron Matthew, who just make big play after big play in the right moments. And then you give it back to that that all star cast with Andy Reid being the mad scientist. I don't, I don't see this ending well for the Buccaneers. I'm not about to say campaign against Tom Brady because I've seen him do amazing things in the Super Bowl, but this is not the team you want to be fucking around with and throwing three interceptions and taking dumb sacks against. I, yo, I couldn't agree more. Like, there, there's just so many weapons in Kansas City. And there's a story that I read and I was so excited because I was like, yo, I got Hendrix on the pod. I got to talk to him about this. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so Boom. Young boy, 19, works at Kroger. Okay. <laughs> Found out that the compliance team was out on vacation for two weeks. What does my okay. young boy do? He starts doing returns and steals almost a million dollars worth of money from Kroger in two weeks. 980,000. <laughs> Son bought two cars. Oh, this is better than the guy that robbed the bank. This is way better than that guy. <laughs> when I'm reading the story, I'm like $980,000. And, like, and I'm like, how long was he doing this for? For two weeks. Damn. He got a mil in two weeks off returns? Yes, where he worked. Like, my son was out there working. He bought two cars. Wait a minute. So he was just committing fraudulent returns and was getting the money? Apparently, yes. I'm glad I read this. I'm about to go hit up Kroger's. <laughs> he, but he worked there, too. <laughs> and, like, he knew. Yeah. Like, first of all. Through? Huh? I guess he was just pushing it through since he worked there. Like he would I'm, follow it in and just push it through, I guess. I'm not even sure. I just want to know, like, why is he using his powers for evil? Clearly this kid is smart. Like he knew that the people who checked the returns were on vacation and that's right. when he made his move. Yeah, and he just decided, hey, I'm going to run up an M. You know, it probably didn't even start like an M. It probably started with something innocent. Like he probably brought a PS5 or whatever and was like, hey, I wonder if I could just get this back. It's like, oh, we gonna keep hitting him for a lick one more time. Joe like, Johnson ain't got shit on me. Two weeks is just so much. Like that's so much money. Like, wh at what point do you think he was like, yo, I should probably just call it quits and skedaddle? Like, hey, you think he's still working there? <laughs> he's gonna be lucky if he can get a job in the jail. Oh, they caught him. Oh, the damn. feds caught him. I believe. They... Oh, the feds. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Noticed, um, the fraudulent money. returns and called it in. Yeah, you can't be moving that much money. Like 10K is the limit to where I don't even know if I want to say that on wax. <laughs> but like <laughs> 10K is like the limit before the, uh, the feds get to, hey, 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 hey. He probably. Oh, he he did something stupid. He bought cars and shit like that. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, he was at, he was out there. He was too hot in these streets. Yeah, everyone knows that. Everyone seen Ozark. It's like, hey, that that cash is like a lifetime supply of groceries and TVs unless you can wash it. All right, you started your own podcast recently called Seen It, and it's a movie podcast. The yes. first episode was on Gone Girl. I've never seen Gone Girl. But like just from a production standpoint, like off the rip, you hear um, the little movie reel and then you guys played a clip 
from Gone Girl, and I immediately was like, "Oh, I need to see this." And then you you yes. guys talk in, and I'm a fan of people who do their homework. Like they can't see me, but you can. Mm-hmm. Like, looking down on my phone because that's where my notes are. I do my homework before a pod. You guys did your homework. Right. What's your co-host name? Because I don't want to not acknowledge him. Saeed. So you and Saeed did your homework. Like you're you're telling me about yeah. the movie, and then you're also telling me that this movie is inspired off of a book that didn't do as great as they thought. And the only reason the movie got made in your beliefs is because the production company of that made the book was like, look, we're still gonna back this. That's like inside baseball stuff that yeah. you know you're working. That happens more often than you think. Like studio companies will be embedded to a publishing company because this is like an instant pipeline for infinite amount of movies. I could just turn whatever your book was into a movie. Now, a, a publishing company, they'll sell one of their books to one because that book will fund all the stuff they want to make. We're like, hey, we'll take on a Harry Potter. Harry Potter is not really our publishing niche, but we can sell Harry Potter for decades and fund all the stuff we actually want to publish. You know what I'm saying? And that happens more often than not when it comes to movies like that. I think that was just a spitball from what I know about the business, but Gone Girl was made so quickly after the movie, after the book was released. The only uh, the only rationale for it was it had to be owned by the studio itself. You don't turn, you don't adapt a book into a movie in two years. Not that many lawyers are paid off already, their rights and all that. And then they hired the author on the to work on the the uh, production of the movie as well. Jillian Flynn, she worked on that as well. So, so how that, that just told me everything I needed to know. How did your pod come about? Um, I'm a really big literature film guy, and so is Saeed, but he's not like, he's more, he's uh, an artist, of course. He makes music and uh, does video production. But with um, me, is. We've been talking about movies for years now on the phone. So we just decided to get it on wax. And we were trying to figure out a way to to do it. He moved away to a different city. So we lost the in-person connection, then figure out a way to uh, record our conversations in a beneficial way. So um, Zoom came and just handled that problem with one button. And here we are potting as much as we can. We got... Uh, we just drop it next. Whiplash is dropping tonight at 12. And we recorded the Scarface episode Sunday. Scarfaces will be coming out next week on Wednesday. Okay, good. Because I got questions. Yes, sir. I know you don't do Harry Potter. No. I'm going to need you to watch all eight films. All eight? Yeah. And like, I want individual episodes. Don't try and bullshit me. All eight. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I know this is coming from what I know about you. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it's coming, but eventually, I assume we get the Marvel Endgame all movies in order. I don't know about in order, but we do some type of plan where we want to do things like for February. Not obviously, February is coming up next week. So when Scarface dropped, it'll be February, but we recorded it Sunday, which was technically still January, but like February, we want to focus on like. Black History Month. So we'll do like black lead movies or scenes that are just like iconic to black movie, black people in general. Or uh, I don't I don't know. My but this first season is only a 10 pack. We're only doing 10 episodes and then we'll take a break and then we'll come back season two. We'll up the production and quality so we even better. Um each episode we got better. Each episode, and I'm staying at someone remove. Uh, is removed because I'm my own biggest critic. I'm sure if anyone listens to that and think they uh, can criticize me better than I will criticize myself, you are sorely mistaken. Because I guarantee I care more about me sounding great and me putting out the right thing than you ever will. I know that from even writing. There's some stuff I have written that I've never released because I don't think it's good enough for me. And I have no publishing credit to my name. I'm just someone who's uh, like a, 
an, a tortured artist in a sense, whereas I'm like masochistic about this stuff. But if you like what you heard from Gone Girl, and that was like, like I said in the podcast, this is the worst you're ever going to hear us. It, it only gets better from there. Um, I really enjoyed it. I subscribed. It's seen it uh, spelled like movie scene, correct? No, 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 no. regular scene. S E E N, no space, I T. And you can find that everywhere. Everywhere that podcasts are. It's really fun. I can't wait to listen to the next episode. Is there anything else you want to plug before I let you get back to your Tuesday night? I wanted to talk more about pod. It's basically like hanging out with me and Saeed, where, but then sometimes I throw on the teacher hat and I get to flex like my literary structure type of thing if you're into that kind of stuff you don't necessarily have to be a movie buff I feel like the way how our conversation goes we break it down to where someone who hasn't seen the movie can be intrigued by it. obviously we're going to spoil the movie but it's going to be in a way where it's like when you watch it you go pick up on the things we noticed or whatever and I feel like after you finish the pod you leave that much smarter even if it isn't just about the movie itself because I think when I break stuff down, and I'm talking about me specifically because I do more of the technical stuff inside. He typically does more cultural relevant stuff and how stuff sounds or looks, and I do more like why it works. I feel like you just improve that much more as someone who could recognize things because I think literature is transcendent. It isn't just strictly something you leave on screen or on paper. It improves the quality of your life aesthetic-wise. So to speak to what you were saying, you're explaining the movie and you uh, like from the very beginning, you're like, oh, I think we should break it down into two parts. Once again, I haven't right. seen the movie, but from what you're explaining, you're like, the first part is where it's explained from the female protagonist's perspective, correct? Amy is telling, Amy is narrating the story. And then the second part of the movie, it's Amy is narrating what's going on with Nick. And then the second part is we're just experiencing Amy, but there's no narrator. It's just the movie at that point. So I broke it down to like Nick's story and Amy's story. But like but that's a fun way I, to look at certain things. And I just thought you gave like a really fresh perspective. I'm really excited to do The Godfather because I've seen the movie. So I'm excited to mm -hmm. see what it's like when, oh, I know what scene they're talking about here. Um, do you have What's a movie? huh? The movie did you say? Uh, I've seen The Godfather. Uh, spoiler alert! <laughs> no, no, no. But That's like, so up. I'm excited to see what it's like when I can identify with the scene as you break it down. Yeah, yeah, you know what's going on. That always makes that much better. Um, Gone Girl is free on Hulu. Like, yeah, I think that was that was something I specifically for wanted to make sure of. Where like the first episode was something that everyone will be able to see. I think everyone has Hulu at this point. I, I have Hulu and I don't even pay for it. I think Sprint pays for it. But the first episode specifically was something I wanted to... We're doing classic movies. So we're hoping you've seen them already. But with like Gone Girl, that was readily available. Whiplash isn't readily available to my knowledge, but... It's something you should see. I think it won an Academy Award. Everyone's seen Scarface, but I talk about this in the Scarface episode. Even if you've never seen Scarface, you know everything you need to know about Scarface if you just listen to any bit of hip hop. But Godfather is something I think everyone's already seen. Season two, in different seasons, we might do more deep dives and more rabbit holes. But as for this season, we're sticking with like critically acclaimed, well-renowned films that everyone either has a passerby knowledge of or can have access to. Just that's what I was going to ask. How did you decide on your 10-pack? We didn't do it already. Like, we don't actually know which one we're going to do next. Like, right now, he's picking the movies. And at the end, that's when we figure out, like, which one we're going to review next. It isn't, like, ordered out. But we're really just going down, let's say, a Russian roulette of hey, let's do this movie because it might be something I've never seen. Like I didn't, I'm seeing scenes of Scarface, but I've never like seen it cover to cover. And 
that was like my first time sitting there and watching it twice, running it back and uh, taking away thoughts from it. Um, I don't know what movie I'm going to do. I, obviously, I have the the unfortunate pleasure of having the first February movie, so I, I got to pick a very important movie. I'll probably go with my favorite movie all time. I don't know if I should. Uh, uh, fuck it, you're my guy. I might split. I might go with Get Out. That's like my favorite movie all time. Okay. Um, even The Godfather is something I saw when I was really young. Now I'm going to watch it again with the eye. And I know it's another really long movie. So Scarface, the Scarface podcast is pretty long. And I don't know if this one will be longer. I think we agreed that we won't make another podcast that long. But if the conversation goes that long, the conversation goes that long. Now, walk me through your process when you're watching the movie. Like you said, you watched a couple of movies twice. Yeah. What's your process look like as far as hey, this is something I want to t- say on the pod. How do you make sure you don't forget that stuff? Okay. When The first time I watched the movie, I just watched the movie. I'm a fan. I'm enjoying the movie. I'm seeing what goes on. The second time, I got the notepad out, and I'm jotting down things. I see what works, why it works. Sometimes I catch it on first viewing because I've been doing this. Not on wax, but I've been breaking down, criticizing movies, even plays, when I had to do that for a, bit, a period of time and reviewing them for some period of time so I could catch it on first viewing. But second viewing, I get the notepad out and I write what I want to write versus when it comes up on the scene. Like I'm going through it with the movie. I'll pause it if I have to and I'll just jot down what it's doing, why it's doing that and what's going on. I think like the only movie I didn't do that with was Scarface. I felt like if I was to sit there and write it note by note, I would eviscerate a classic movie. I'm not going to spoil it because it drops Wednesday. No, it doesn't it drops next week. But I think Scarface is one of those movies where it's, it's more culturally relevant than it is a, a piece of brilliant cinema. And I'll leave that as a spoiler so people and listeners and yourself will be intrigued to hear my take on Scarface, which is dropping next Wednesday. Oh, this, this ought to be good. I think they'll hear this pod at the same time I'm gonna say episode two will be coming out. Yeah, uh, by the time episode two is out, this will be out too. So what should happen is my regular right, so listen to this, and then they should jump right to seeing it. Absolutely, and here Whiplash, I think Whiplash goes under the radar, but Whiplash is a very, very, very good film. If you can watch it tonight, since I'm talking to you right now, I recommend you watch it tonight. It's a great film. And it's low key, unintentionally funny as hell. Unintentionally funny as hell. And not in like an ironic sense, but it's like you're laughing at someone's demise, but you don't really want to laugh at it. But it's like you can't help but laugh because the line delivery, Miles, Miles Teller did a really good job in that movie. And J.K. Simmons, they're they're just amazing in this movie. Um those are question. Huh? Now, those of you who don't know, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson from the Amazing Spider-Man films, the Sam Raimi films, and Miles Teller is normally a comic relief guy from, uh, I think his most prominent film is Watch Dogs. War Dogs. All right. One more question. You guys have gone classic and drama, crime, any chance we get a comedy in our 10-pack? Um, I think Whiplash is really funny. <laughs> but uh, like a straight-up comedy? Comedy kind of died. I'm thinking of a movie we could potentially do that would be funny. You know what? I don't think it would be in the 10-pack, but when we launched the YouTube and we started doing like live viewership things, I think that would be something that we'd be interested in. Like, we were talking about it today where it's like, when we start, let's say we do a live video recorded pod, like we record ourselves on Zoom, but it's not broadcast audio only right now. But let's say we're doing a live feed with our viewers and we're just watching the movie with the viewers, basically. I think that would be a space for where we do like comically bad movies or just comedy movies. For example, where we're just having, just having a good time with the fans. It's always a good time to get you on the pod. Give them your <laughs> socials. All right, uh, Twitter, 
at Hendrix Kenny. I've plugged that a million times. Instagram at uh, fuckkeith, F-V-C-K dot K-E-I-T-H. I'm not active on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Actually, I'm really active on Instagram. Follow me there. I'll be active on Twitter when I get 100 followers. I feel like I should be active in order to get 100 followers, but I'm putting it off. (laughs) Also, guys, Seen It podcast everywhere you get podcasts. I know you're not podcast illiterate because you're listening to me right now. So go throw my guy a sub. In the search bar. We told you how to spell it. Subscribe, rate, share, give us five stars. If you don't, I might call you a player hater on the next podcast. Who knows? All right, guys. Thank you for listening. This has been the Shaw's Law Podcast. And just like that, we out. Peace.